into miracles. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. Joshua had just recently taken over, leading Israel from Moses. They entered into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And the first battle that they came on to was a giant city with giant walls built up. And Joshua and the men surely were wondering, how are we going to get through this? We're called to claim this land, and the first place we come to, we're not even close to big enough to take down and to deal with. But in prayer, Joshua was given a message to walk faithfully around that city, to go and to take the promise that God had given to them, to go faithfully and boldly, to walk not the way that most modern armies would have walked and and handled it, but to handle it the way that the Lord led them to handle it. And so they went to that city, and for seven days they walked around that city. They would go and blow the trumpets, shout. And on the seventh day, they walked around that city seven times. And as they began to blow those trumpets, for some reason, out of nowhere, no logical reasoning whatsoever, but some reason, somehow, when they blew the trumpets in obedience to the Lord, the walls of that city came down instantly, and the army crossed over the rubble of those walls and took the city as God instructed them to take. I am thankful that when I came to the Lord, He brought down some big walls that were standing between me and the promise. There were some big issues and some big problems and some addictions and some situations that had to be brought down before I could ever enter in to the promised place that God was leading me to. But I'm here and thankful to say and to tell you that for yourself as well, when we give our all to the Lord and we trust Him, He will bring down those walls and those barriers and those situations, those sinful addictions, those carnal problems, those issues that we don't know what to do with God knows exactly what to do with them and he knows exactly how to bring them down but before they ever went into battle Joshua said to make sure you don't take anything from the city it's accursed don't take any of the treasures for yourselves don't take any clothing don't take any any TVs or video game systems don't take any of that that's all, that we're leaving that in the, in, in the destruction. And for the most part, the Israelites honored this. What I find interesting, and, and this is a little off topic, but I've always found this interesting, I don't see God telling Joshua this at all. But I do see Joshua telling the people this, and God honored it. Let me tell you, your pastor is here for a reason. Your pastor is here to lead and to guide. God never told Joshua, don't take anything from the city. Joshua, in his leadership and in his closeness with God, realized we need to leave this here. And God honored it. Because though for the most part the Israelites honored it, some little old ugly sin reared its head. By the, a man na- by the name Achan saw some things that he just felt like he couldn't do without. 
His fleshly carnal desires got the better of him. And he grabbed some things and took it with him. Now it's amazing to me when we see what he took. A fancy Babylonian garment and some treasures. I don't know if Achan thought through this very much in the, at the moment because they just came out of the wilderness for 40 years. What in the world was he going to do with the fancy Babylonian garment? But he saw it, and he wanted it. And though it wasn't going to do any good for him, in fact, it would bring harm to him, he wanted it, and he took it. Just like our fleshly lusts and our sins still do today. We don't need them. They're not going to help us. They're only going to hurt us. But boy, it sure looks good in that moment. And he took this old fancy outfit and hid it in his house. Took treasures and hid them in his house because he couldn't do anything with them. So then, riding high on the victory of Jericho, they come to a city, Ai. And it seems in appearance to be small and insignificant compared to Jericho. In fact, the men that were under Joshua said, Joshua, don't even send out the whole army. Just send some of us. If we just saw what God did at Jericho, this AI is not going to be anything. Don't even send the whole army. So Joshua sent some men to go fight this battle, and they lost miserably. A terrible loss. A gut-wrenching loss. A loss that would cause them to look in fear and say, what has happened? We just saw a great victory. God just did a great thing. Now all of a sudden here we are and we can't even get past this little issue. But the problem was not because God got smaller or weaker. The problem was not because AI was more fortified than Jericho. Absolutely not. The problem was not because AI had better soldiers than Jericho. No, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that sin had gotten into the camp. And when sin got into the camp, it brought destruction as it always does. So as Joshua was grieving the situation and grieving what has happened, God says, get up. What are you crying about? There's sin in the camp. Get rid of that sin and all right. So they've sought it out. The Lord led them. They found Achan. They got rid of the sin. They got rid of the problem. And they went and something happened in that time where because of that defeat, the enemy was able, the, the spiritual enemy was able to get into their ears and into their minds and say, you've already lost this battle. You're never going to be able to get it. If you can't take down little OAI, you're never going to be successful. You're never going to be victorious. You're never going to overcome. And I don't believe that God ever says anything just to say it. I don't believe that the Word of God says anything just to have it in there. But God told Joshua to fear not. Meaning that somewhere between the defeat and the call to go forward, fear had entered into their hearts because of the sin. But they got rid of the sin, and God said, fear not. Be not dismayed. Take the people of war. Rise. Go up to Ai. I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. God said, I've already given it to you. You're already victorious. All you've got to do is go get it. 
Sometimes, I would even venture to say most of the time, the fear that we may be enduring and dealing with is brought on by sin. Sin will bring fear into our walk with God. It will bring fear into our pursuit of His will, into our pursuit of His promise, the pursuit of what He is wanting to do. Sin will bring fear to that and make us think that we're not good enough, we're not strong enough, we're not mighty enough, we're not able to, we're never going to be successful, we're never going to make it. But God says, give me the sin and then fear not. Just because you messed up doesn't mean that God doesn't have victory for you. Just because you came into this place today dealing with some sins from yesterday doesn't mean that God doesn't have a victory for you in this place today. If you give those sins to the Lord, the Lord is saying, fear not. Go forward. Go where I'm leading you. Don't be afraid. I've already given you the victory. You give me yourself, you give me your sin, and I'll give you the victory. Sin brings fear. I remember being a teenager. And, uh, you know, I'll say I wasn't exactly living the way I should be living. And I'll leave it at that. Hallelujah. Thank you. As my brother mumbled under his voice back there, that's an understatement. For those of you that didn't hear it, it was a good, it was a good joke. I was not exactly living for God. And I remember waking up one afternoon from a nap. And I don't remember exactly why, but my brothers were not there. I think they had gone somewhere with someone that I did not know it about. Our vehicle was still in the driveway, other than my dad's vehicle, which was always gone because he was at work. But my mom was not anywhere either. And I woke up from that nap, and I started looking around, and I'm looking in the backyard, looking in the front yard. I don't see my mom. I don't see my brothers. I, I tell you, fear came over me. I missed the rapture. I knew it. I went to sleep with sin in my heart, and now I woke up, and I'm here alone. I'm pretty sure she even had a cell phone, and I called it from the house phone. We still had house phones. And that cell phone was ringing on the table. I said, oh, God, I'm sorry. Help me, Lord. We had a fenced-in backyard, and we always, when the dogs needed to go out or whatever, we had dogs in the backyard. For some reason, while I was taking a nap, my mom decided to put a dog on a leash and walk him down the street. I was standing out in the front yard repenting, and I see my mom coming up the street walking a dog. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You made a way again. And I repented for real good right there in that front yard. Sin brings fear. Whether fear of the rapture or fear in our heart, it cripples our faith in God because it cripples our faith in ourselves, which we think that if we can't do this, God can't use us. Sin cripples our boldness. It cripples our, our ministries. It cripples our desire to pursue God. Unchecked sin does. And that's what we saw happen here with Joshua and Ai. Sin can bring fear. Many times, especially unchecked sin, will always bring fear. But sometimes fear may not be brought on by your own sin. Sometimes fear can be brought on by devastation. The devastation of a situation. The devastation of a battle. 
the devastation of a storm. Now let me tell you, the enemy cannot stop you or kill you, but what he will do is try to bring fear into your heart to cause you to stop yourself and to kill your own ministry. Because the devil can't do it. He can't do that to you. He has no power over you to do that. Even with Job, God said you can make him sick, you can take away everything, but you can't touch him. The devil can't touch you. He can't touch what God is going to do in you. But what he can do is bring devastation around you to cause you to live in a state of panic and fear. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we see Israel is Samaria. The city is under siege by the Syrian army. They've stopped all food from coming in. And they're in the city starving to death literally turning to cannibalism in order to try to survive. They were in a state of crippling, complete fear. They could not move forward because they were so fearful, because they felt that they on their own could not take the army. They could not be victorious. They could not be successful. So they decided to sit and die. But outside of the city, right outside the gate, we see four leprous men. And if we could go to that 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Hallelujah. My eyesight is not what it used to be. I can't even read that back there. 2 Kings, at our, at our church, we got a screen right above the altar, so I'm not, uh, that's never a problem. But that's, that's a little small. I can read a little bit, but... Second, uh, Second Kings chapter seven, verse three says, and there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Verse four says, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. They said, if we go back to where we came from, we're going to die. But if we stay here doing nothing, we're also going to die. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Verse 5 says, And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. This camp of enemies that the city is crippled in fear from. They got there and found nobody there. Verse 6 says, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore? They arose and fled in the twilight. They left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Four little old crippled lepers, starving to death just like everybody else in the city, even probably starving even more than those in the city. When it came to in value and importance, they were at the very bottom. You, I can guarantee the people in the city ate way, before, way after anybody at the lepers ever ate. They had food. 
But they said, we can't stay here. And we can't go back to where we came from. All we can do is move forward. All we can do is take a step forward. And I love this story is just so amazing to me. As those four lepers went crippling and stumbling down, down to that Syrian camp, God used their little crippled walks to make a sound of chariots, of horses, of an army coming to that camp that caused the Syrians to flee for their lives. Can I tell you, God's already given you the victory. He's waiting for you to move. He's waiting for you to go forward. He's waiting for you to decide, I can't go back to the life that I came from because I know I'm going to die there. I can't stay here where I'm at because I know I'm going to die here. But God, if you've got life for me, I'm going to move forward. If there's a chance of victory over this, I'm going to move forward. If there's a chance that you're real, Lord, I'm going to move forward. And as soon as you start walking forward, as soon as you make that prayer in the altar, as soon as you wake up morning, Monday morning and pray. God brings a sound of an army coming to your enemy. That says the enemy, I got to get out of here. He's got something powerful. He's got something real. He's got something that I cannot be victorious over and he will flee in fear. Hallelujah. I've been in situations and heartache where every time I tried to pray, all I was praying was, oh, why this and oh, why that? And oh, what am I supposed to do? And stayed in a loop of depressing prayers that got me nowhere. But let me tell you, when I began to thank God, when I began to know that God's got something for me, when I began to pray knowing that God's got a reason for this battle, when I began to pray knowing that God's got something better coming, I didn't pray right where I was at. And I didn't pray wanting to go back. I said, God, whatever it is, I'm going forward. I'm going to keep trusting in you. I'm going to keep believing in you. I'm going to keep going where you tell me to go. I don't know why. I don't see a victory. I don't see a relief. But I'm going forward in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, whatever comes my way, whatever situation, whatever battle, oh, Lord, I'm not going back to where I came from, and I'm not staying here to die. I'm going to keep moving forward to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I believe there is victory in this place. Oh, Lord, let our faith be stirred. Let our hunger and our passion be stirred. Let our dedication to pursuing you, let it be stirred in our hearts today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Sometimes fear is brought on by sin. Sometimes fear is brought on by the situation in the battle. But sometimes fear is just there because it's all we've ever known. We can have the Holy Ghost and still not truly understand how to live a victorious, faithful life after God. It is a decision that we have to make. It doesn't just happen. 
It is a decision that we have to make that says, I'm not going to listen to the doubts of the enemy anymore. I'm not going to listen to my fears anymore. I'm not going to listen to my past mistakes anymore. I know that God's got something better for me, so I'm going to start praying like I believe it. In John chapter 5, we hear about what's called the pool of Bethesda. And at a certain time, an angel, the the Bible says that what they believed, an angel would come down and stir the waters of this pool. And there were cripples and sick people and those that were had afflictions around this pool waiting for the water to stir. And whoever could get to the water when it began to stir would find healing. Now, the Bible doesn't make much comment on what this is or whether it's real or true or whether it happened the way that they believed it was happening. But what I do see is that if the person was in a bad enough shape, that water couldn't do it for him. Because there was a man that had been afflicted with a sickness for 38 years that had been trying to get into that water. And because his situation was so bad, he couldn't get there on his own. Because his affliction was so bad, he could not get there on his own. And Jesus came and showed up. Oh, you know something exciting is about to happen when Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and sees this man lying here and knows God. Jesus knows that he had been there in this condition for a long time. And Jesus comes up to him, and this story is so interesting to me. And and Jesus goes to him and says, Wilt thou be made whole? Basically said, Do you want to be made whole? Now, maybe Jesus said a little more. Maybe there was some conversation. All we know is what the Bible says. Where Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? Didn't give him any context. Didn't give him anything to believe in. Didn't even give him any indication as to who he was. Because he says, wilt thou be made whole? And the man instantly goes into a list of excuses as to why he cannot be made whole. And he calls Jesus sir, implying that he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know the miracles that Jesus had been performing. He hadn't heard the messages that Jesus had been preaching to the best of what we can see from the Scripture. He didn't call him master. He didn't call him rabbi. He called him sir because he didn't know who he was. But Jesus came and asked him, do you want to be made whole? And he says, I'm too sick. I can't get there on my own. And I don't have anybody that cares about me enough to get me there. This man had lived a hopeless, lonely life where he could not get the hope that he was looking for and he didn't have anybody there to help him to get there. He couldn't get there on his own and nobody cared enough apparently to help him, to sit with him, to wait for the water to stir to get him there. So he sat there hopeless and lonely. Let me tell you, there are thousands if not millions of people out there right now sitting hopeless and lonely. They don't know what to do on their own and they couldn't do it if they did know. And they don't 
have anybody else around them that has the answers. So they're sitting there hopeless and lonely. And I have all have been in a place where I sat hopeless and lonely because I had to come to a place where I let Jesus do what he wanted to do. My parents raised me in church, but they couldn't do it for me. My family couldn't do it for me. My friends couldn't do it for me. I couldn't do it for myself. I couldn't break my addictions. I couldn't heal my body. I couldn't heal my mind. I couldn't heal my heart. But one day Jesus showed up. And so this man gives a list of excuses as to why he can't be made whole, even though Jesus didn't ask him, can you be made whole? He said, do you want to be made whole? And after this man, it goes through this laundry list of excuses. Jesus' response is, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now again, we don't have any, that Jesus gave any context. This is quite different than most of his miracles. Most of his miracles, the people knew he was a healer. Or he told them that they were going to be healed. He told them, thy faith has made thee whole. But we don't see Jesus giving this man that, that, that understanding. He just said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And the man had a decision to make. Because it doesn't say that he was healed yet. He had a decision to make. He said, I can't go back to where I used to be. I can't stay here because I'm not getting what I need. I'm going to die if I stay here. So Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And the next scripture says that immediately he was made whole. What I believe happened, that Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And that man thought about it for a moment. And then when he made the decision to tell his feet to move, from the time that thought left his mind to the signal reached his toes, Jesus healed that man, and he was able to get up, to take up his bed, and to walk away. Something happened because the man listened to the Jesus and said, I will move forward. I will go on. I will get up. I will take my bed. Oh, I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. I don't see any different. I don't see any different. Oh, but you tell me to get up and walk I'm gonna get up and walk and as soon as you make that decision God brings healing God brings direction God brings cleansing God brings victory Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love that. From the time that signal left his brain to reach down to his feet, Jesus said healing, and he was healed. And he got up and walked. But he had to decide, I'm going to get up. He could have made the decision. You don't understand, Jesus. You don't understand how bad it's been for me. I've tried to move and I never could. I've tried to get to the water and I never could. I've tried to willpower myself into walking and I can't do it. You just don't understand what I'm going through. You just don't understand how bad it is. You just don't understand how, what the situation is. But Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. He says, get up. Rise up. Walk. Take up thy bed. You're not meant to lay here on this ground any longer. You're meant to get up and to walk. 
the healing was waiting on his decision to move. Just like the city uh, 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 in Second Kings. They're sitting up there in fear while the camp is empty and those four lepers are having a buffet for with themselves. Eating all the food while the city's still living there in fear. God already brought the victory, but their fear kept them in the same place of bondage and worry and distress and starvation. While the victory was already there. All they had to do was move forward there. Those four lepers went, told them what had happened. They still didn't quite believe it, but they sent some people down there to see. They saw that it was real. They came and told the city, and the city went and ate and had victory. Our fear will keep us starving on the hill while the victory's already been given to us. All we've got to do is move forward and grab it. All we've got to do is move forward and get it. All we've got to do is take a step of faith and take it for ourselves. Like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. The men brought her before Jesus and threw her at at his feet and said, she should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus said that famous line we've heard so many times, to those who have no sin, cast the first stone. Maybe one by one, maybe all at once, but they dropped their stones and they walked away. But they walked away and they were gone. The stones were gone. The the accusers were gone. But here's the woman still laying at Jesus' feet, cowering in fear. But Jesus comes to her. He lifts her up. And he said, where are your accusers? Where is that battle that kept you in fear? Where is that situation that had you so deep in fear that you couldn't move laying on the ground? Where are they? And he says, go and sin no more. Oh, Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. I love this book, both for its content, but also for its context. While Paul wrote the book of Philippians to the church of Philippi, he was in prison had every excuse and every reason to not believe, not trust, be in fear, not understand so that he doesn't try, not know what God's going to do, so why even bother? But no, he says in chapter 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing. A little better, more modern translation would be, be anxious for nothing. Be fearful for nothing. Be worried about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I call it the two P's of a miracle, prayer and praise. Paul said, with prayer, let your requests be made known. Bring it to God with prayer, but then with thanksgiving. Walk away from the prayer like it's already been answered. 
with thanksgiving. Thank God for bringing it about before you ever saw it happen. Verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There is something powerful when we bring our need before God in prayer and then before we even get off of our knees, we thank Him for making a way. We thank Him for making it happen. We thank Him for bringing the answer before we ever even see the answer prayer establishes faith that God can handle the situation but praise establishes faith that he has already taken care of the situation and all we've got to do is keep trusting him and moving forward hallelujah 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 oh hallelujah hallelujah now understand me Paul isn't saying you pray and then you thank God for it. All of a sudden, everything's going to be okay. But he says, you don't have to fear it anymore. Because when you pray about it and you thank God for it and you move forward, then you have peace that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and mind from living in fear. We do not and we should not, we don't have to live in fear. If we are living in fear, hallelujah, the enemy is winning, let me tell you. But he does not have to. He's got no power over you. He's got nothing that can make you be afraid. He's got nothing that can make you be uh, uh, angry. He's got nothing that can make you be bitter. All he can do is present situations that lead you there. Oh, but we can say in the name of Jesus, I'm not living in fear. I'm not living in this place. I'm not going back where I came from. I'm going forward in you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I I, I speak from example. I know too many times. Church people, we come to the altar with our issues and our burdens. We come to the altar with them in our hands and we say, see God here, look. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm praying about it. I'm, get, I'm showing you. I, I'm praying. I'm believing for something. Then we get up from the altar with it still in our hands and walk back to our seat. We're willing to show God what we're going through so that he fixes it. But we're very often not willing to give the situation to God to let him fix it. Because that's scary. It's scary to trust God when we don't, when we're not sure of what the answer is. We want to take control and get it right and get it straight and fix it ourselves which always just leads to more and more fear and more and more destruction. But God said, bring me your burdens. Don't just show them to me. Give them to me, and I will give you my burden. I'll trade you. I'll take your heavy burdens that you can't carry, and I'll give you my burden that is light, that is I will be with you through it. I will hold it with you, but we've got to be willing to say, God, I'm going forward. I'm leaving these here at the altar, and I'm not going back to my seat with them. I'm not going back to where I came from with them. I'm leaving them here, God, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to go forward in you, Lord. The way to turn fear into miracles 
is not necessarily more better preaching. It's not necessarily even more prayer. We can pray, we can pray for five hours a day, but still live in fear because we're not giving things to God. We're not truly moving forward and trusting Him. The way to turn fear into miracles is just to keep moving forward in Him. Keep seeking Him. Keep giving it to Him. Even when you wake up the next day and you find you're in the room flooded with those situations, pick them up and give them back to God. Lord, I don't know how I got these back, but I'm sorry, I give them back to you. Oh, God, i got to pray every day. got to pray every hour if I've got to. But I'm going to keep giving this need to you. I'm going to keep giving this situation to you. I'm going to keep putting my trust in you and pursuing holiness and pursuing righteousness and pursuing closeness and pursuing dedication to you, commitment to you, commitment to your body. When we don't see the answer, when we don't feel the answer, or maybe we don't even have hope that there will be an answer, I just keep moving forward. I'm just going to keep giving it to you, Jesus. I do want to be made whole. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. I'm going to pick up this place that I've been laying and I'm going to walk forward. I'm not staying here any longer. I'm going to keep moving forward in you, Jesus. I'm going to keep trusting in you. I'm going to keep making the scary decisions that I don't see how you're going to do it, but I know you led me to do it. I'm going to keep making those decisions. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep reading your word. I'm not going to go back and I'm not going to stay here. I'm going forward in you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know how long I've been. Let's go ahead and stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The truth is sometimes the enemy will, but sometimes God will put situations, decisions, issues in front of us so that we can learn to trust Him. Because if we're not trusting Him, we're never going to get anywhere. If we only trust Him to a point, we're never going to get anywhere. Jesus wants our faith to be in Him, complete, utter, All of it, I give myself to you, withholding nothing. Hallelujah. Jesus wants us to give him our all and to trust him, even in the face of death or danger. God, you're still my God. Jesus, I'm still crawling you. Jesus, I'm still trusting in you. Jesus, I'm still going where you want me to go. In the book of Daniel, we see in chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar had set up a, 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 an idol, a large idol of himself that when they would begin to play music, they want, he wanted the, everyone in the, in the city to bow down before that idol. And all of the city did it. When the music started playing, they bowed down to that idol. And that's not just Babylonians. There were captive Hebrews there as well that bowed down before that idol. 
But three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stood in a crowd of bowing people and said, I can't do it. I can't bow to this thing. I can't give my God away to follow this thing. My God's been too good to me. He's got me through too much. He's been too faithful. I'm not giving up and I'm not bowing to this thing. Word got back to the king and he was angry. He told him to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him. And he started off trying to say, you know what I said, right? You know I told you what's going to happen to you, right? You know I told you that if you don't bow down when you hear the music, I'm going to put you in a burning, fiery furnace to kill you. You understand that, right? Trying to bring fear to their hearts. And I love their response. If we could go to that, verse 17 and 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. He says he's able to. Yeah, we know he's able to, but do we believe that he will? He's able to get us out of the fiery furnace, and he will get us out of the fiery furnace, O king. But verse 18, but if not, they weren't, they weren't putting fear in there. They weren't making a back door so that they could get out of it if they had to. No, they were willing to go to the fiery furnace because of their faith in God. But they said, even if God doesn't make a way, even if God doesn't get us out of this, even if we go to our deaths in the next few minutes in that furnace, we will not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They said, we're not turning our back on our God no matter what happens, even if it kills us. And the king, in anger, took those three men, had his guards turn the heat up on the furnace, threw them into the fire, and it was so hot that it killed the guards that threw them in. And I love what it says. The, day, the king threw them in thinking, all right, that's over. That's taken care of. Don't have to worry about that anymore. But something happened. He looked in that furnace And in confusion, the king says, didn't we throw three men in there? Tell me why I see four men in there walking around unbound. Even in the fire, that enemy could not stop them from walking forward, from moving forward. Even in the fire, it threw them in and they fell to their faces. But something happened because they decided we're not staying here. We're not staying in this place. Let's get up and move forward. And as they moved forward, God showed up. And that king saw, I see a fourth man in the fire walking with them. And he looks like the son of God. Let me tell you, God was always with them. But when they decided to start walking forward, even in the fire, they began to see God move. The enemy began to see God move because of the faith of those young men. I will walk in faith. 
I will walk in holiness. I will walk in dedication. I will pursue after my God. Oh, devil, you hear me. My God is able to get me through this. And he will get me through this. But even if he doesn't, devil, I'm never going back there where I came from. I'm never staying where I am. I'm going to keep on moving forward until I die. Oh, why don't we worship the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I speak. I feel that the enemy has kept someone's mind in a place of worry, of fear, of wondering whether you'll ever get through it, wondering whether it'll ever make a way, wondering whether you'll ever get out of it. I'm here to tell you today, you make the decision. I'm moving forward regardless. I'm going to keep pursuing no matter what. I'm going to keep praying no matter what. And I believe there is victory in this altar. You can get up from this altar and the the victory's already happened. You just move forward to it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, this altar is open. I wonder if we could come down to this place.